0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, it's Senior Bowl week, and we've got an interview with the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. We talked to Jim about the importance of this year's Senior Bowl now that the NFL Combine has been canceled, and we discuss every sooner that will be there in Mobile. We bring you the latest OU football updates, including the early enrollees that are in Norman and the National College Football Roundup. We bring you the latest college football news, including Tennessee getting their new athletic director. We give you our winners and losers of NFL championship weekend, and we finish with some football guys talking basketball after OU's big win over Kansas. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our oh, man, Michael will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, January 25th, and you're listening to The Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night and we have a really cool interview with Jim Nagy the executive director of the Senior Bowl. This is a good football week, Ted cuz we we just watched the AFC and NFC championship games. Those were pretty damn entertaining and now it's Senior Bowl week, baby, let's go.
1: Yeah, I mean, Senior Bowl and this year I mean, it is fascinating. Obviously, it's going to be different than in years past, but uh, there's going to be some cool stuff going on there. We're going to get to see some guys. And I think Oklahoma guys, this is the best way for them to stand out. And maybe some of those guys that we weren't really sure about uh, have a chance to really run up some draft boards.
0: Yeah, and the cool thing with Jim, we we go through each guy for OU that'll be down there in Mobile. We go through all of them. We even go through the Oklahoma State guys with them as well. So just just really cool interview and really interesting to hear some of the things that they're doing differently uh, because the combine's not happening. So did, did you enjoy the AFC? We'll get, we'll get to it in our winners and losers, but that was a pretty good Sunday at football right there.
1: It was, it really was um, a couple of those, you know, the, the, the AFC game I thought was going to get interesting there and they could just never get over the hump and get back in the thing. But, uh, dude, the NFC lived up to the hype. We got some controversy coming out of it, decision-making process, and everything. So, a lot of fun, man.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. We'll definitely get to that. Uh, but let's start with the local college football, and that's brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances, and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. For January's kitchen cash-in, all wildcard members that earn 500 points on GCG machines will win an Emerald Lagasse knife set. Bam! Look at Riverwind, kick it up a notch. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Okay, a few bits and pieces of OU football news. They're here, they're early enrollees. Yeah. Teddy, they have arrived. Uh, fresh, fresh meat is on campus and a lot, right? This seems like a lot of early enrollees. You've got Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, Latrell McCutcheon, Cody Jackson, Clayton Smith, Ethan Downs, Jordan Mukes, Isaiah Coe, and Nathan's Rollins Kabange. What is that? Nine. I'm not good at math. Counting is not our strong suit, but that's nine.
1: I'll leave that up to you. Uh, I've, I can go through it and see if I can get to nine on that. But yeah, I think I'll take your word for it.
0: I think it's it's a good group,
1: man. It's a good group and cannot stress enough how important the early enrollee period is and what that does for guys, man, just getting a semester under your belt before you go into training camp and, and into a season is so important just to know the guys, know your teammates, know your coaches, learn the strength and conditioning staff, uh, have a little bit of that under your belt before you go into uh, a brutal summer of of workouts, and it's just – it's awesome. And it's almost like if you're not an early enrollee anymore, you're missing the boat. Isn't that
0: weird how it feels that way? Yeah. Because it it almost feels like the guys that show up in June are behind – Like Mm -hmm. like you're almost at a disadvantage. I don't know about you, Teddy, but graduating high school early was not an option for me. Like Bishop McGinnis didn't do that. Like that, that wasn't a thing. And now it's become so common for these guys to give up part of their senior year of high school. And I can understand this year with how weird high school has been. Like maybe it's not the same, but I've always found it so interesting that so many guys are like, yeah, I, I don't need that second semester of my senior year of high school. I just can't imagine doing that, man.
1: I agree. Um, I mean, that my second semester of my senior year of high school is probably like maybe the most fun five months of my life. It was awesome, and you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that. But I do, at the same time, recognize how good it is to get that under your belt to understand either the offense or the defense before you head into the season. Because, I mean, let's face it most guys do not want a red shirt anymore you know they want to be out there playing contributing uh be a starter in the two deep and this is the best way to get that so instead of having to work your way through the the depth chart or depth chart in training camp whenever a lot of things are are not necessarily set but coaches have a really good idea of what they're going to do you get to start being a factor in the spring so i think it's huge and you know A lot of these guys, you know, talked to a couple of the coaches last night and whenever they had the guys on campus were not shocked, but big. This is a big group, secondary especially. It's a big group, a tall group. So it's exactly what they wanted out of this class.
0: Yeah, and you think about – Obviously, a guy like Caleb Williams, the most important thing for him is learning the system, right? And, and you get a huge head start learning the system when you come in as an early enrollee. But you you mentioned those guys that, you know, in the secondary, like, I, I look at the skill positions, like you look at like a guy like Mario Williams, Latrell McCutcheon, right? Cody Jackson, Jordan Mukes. these guys, like, it's very important for them to start working on their physical development, right, in the weight room and stuff. Maybe start understanding the speed of college football. But, and I could, you could disagree with me, Ted, but I I do think that the guys along the line of scrimmage, uh, I I do think coming in early is a huge advantage for a a guy like Clayton Smith. Uh, Now I know Isaiah JUCO kid, so it's a little different, but Nathan Rollins, Caban's a guy that is so raw when it comes to football, like this, this period is going to be huge for his development as a player. So I feel like it's really good for those guys that are going to play in the trenches or going to play at the line of scrimmage, because I don't know if people understand how big of a jump it is in the level of player. At least that's how it was for me.
1: Well, I mean, if you're a tackle, even in good, big high school football, I mean, there's times you're blocking like a 180-pound defensive end. You know what I'm saying? It's like that is not going to happen at the at the college level. So it's just a completely different level of player. And here's the other thing to think about. You know, quarterbacks, skill position guys, even defensive backs, you know, these seven-on-seven camps in leagues where they just have endless amounts of reps doing what they do. I mean, and I know it's gotten better for line of scrimmage guys, but it's still not close to the amount of work that the skill position guys get. So I agree with you 100%. I'm just curious how, and I'm not complaining, but how Caleb Williams can still be in high school and still do the full offseason. I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's just strange, I... the dual enrollment. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But if
0: the kid's going to be as good as we all think he's going to be, then I don't care. Glad he's a normal. Good. <laughs> Great. So uh, good to have those guys on campus already. It's a big advantage for them. They were able to make that work. Okay, Ted, the other thing I want to talk about, and uh, I know he's not on the OU staff anymore, but it's a guy that you and I have both known for a long time and – we'd been hearing the same stuff for the last couple of weeks. And that was that Mike Stoops was going to be the next linebacker coach at Texas. And I, I remember when I was told uh, about it, I was like, yeah, that's a little weird, but good for him. Like he's getting, getting a, you know, a one, a job that he's one of the 10 assistant coaches. Like it's, it's still a really good job at a good school. Now, of course, I made the same jokes that everyone made, but what this is going to sound weird, but when I had heard that they were going to hire him, I got a little concerned. And it wasn't because Mike coached at OU. It wasn't because Mike is Bob's brother. It was because I know he's a good coach. And I thought, that them bringing Mike Stoops to Texas kind of signaled that Steve Sarkeesian was getting to make all the decisions and that the bureaucracy down there was leaving him alone. And that worried me a little bit like, Oh no, the football people are actually going to get to make all the decisions themselves down in Austin. Oh no, that's, that's a step in the right direction for Texas. This isn't what we want. And then, it all plays out the way it does, and I was like, "Oh yeah, no, it's still Texas, Ted. It it's definitely still Texas.
1: It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's absurd, man. I feel I feel terrible for Mike Stoops. By the way, um, this deal was done. It was done. He was flying in Friday morning. They were going to announce it. They're going to announce the whole staff. Start start getting to work. And um, you know, as soon as it really leaked out that that's what was going to happen. The donors, the fans started complaining and, and raising a, a ruckus. And, you know, I heard I heard a, a reporter from the Austin area say, well, you know, it was just one of those things where the donors and the fans just didn't trust the hire. And said it like so matter-of-factly, and I was like, who cares if they trust the hire or not? I mean – You just paid a guy like 5 or $6 million a year to make the hire. You're not making the hire. You don't need to trust it. He trusts it. The guy that you put in charge of the program, he's making the hire. He trusts the hire. And it's just so normal down there that that's the way things go. It's shocking to me. And it's why things are not going to be any different under Sarkeesian. I think he's good X's and O's. We've been talking about this. But that's not the problem. It's the shark-infested waters in Austin. And they've already shown up before he even puts his staff together. I mean, think about this. And I know fans around here have have their own thoughts about Mike Stoops and everything. But keep in mind, he was hiring as a linebacker coach, not as a defensive coordinator. He was hiring him as a linebacker coach. Here's a guy that in his last appearance at, at Oklahoma, he won two Sugar Bowls. Uh, two college football playoff appearances. He obviously has the national championship under his belt, his first go round. Uh, he, he's done as good a job as anyone really better at Arizona as a head coach there for eight years, been an analyst on Saban staff. I mean, the guy's resume is about as good as it can get. And for a position coach hire, that's, I mean, that's, that's a, a, whole a run
0: that, that is a ton of experience. That is someone you would say is overqualified maybe even yeah. right to just be a position coach. So I, I just, I, I felt horrible for Mike because the way that Texas went about it and, and I can't imagine Sarkeesian wanted to do it this way. I, I assume that his hand was forced that, you know, he's got a boss that says, Hey, you're not hiring that
1: guy. I, I assume that's kind of how it had to go down. Yeah, well, Del Conte is Mike's boy. They're at Arizona together. He was he was Mike's like assistant AD at Arizona. I mean, who who would
0: Texas bitch so much to where they changed their mind? That's that's what I want to know. Like, like I it
1: I was feel probably like probably just. The, I mean, it was probably just. Uh, the right amount of people, the right amount of uh, money behind what they say, and and that's what that's what works. Texas man, that's what did, that's their problem. They don't, they can't see it down there. I don't know why, but that's their problem. What
0: did they think Mike Soups was going to do? What like sell OU the the playbook? Like, I I don't understand. Like you just you don't want to have a quality position coach that has been a head coach and a coordinator and just spent several years with Nick Saban. Like you don't want that guy on the staff. Like what the, <laughs> I mean, what
1: the hell? Hey, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, they will never recognize that their, their, um, overwhelming desire to be involved, to meddle with the program to be able to tell their, their rich buddies that they called up there to Steve Sarkeesian and told them that he's not going to hire Mike Stoops. Like all of that crap is why they suck. That's why that program sucks. It's why it's always going to suck. It's because they, they can't get out of their own way. It's all about who's got influence over the program. It's like they don't even care about winning. It's about who can go brag about having the most pull up there at the football offices.
0: Yeah, so in, now instead of Mike Stoops and we talked about all of his qualifications, what that resume looks like now, it looks like it'll be Jeff Choate who is going to leave Montana State to be the co-DC and inside linebackers coach there Which, at Texas. you know,
1: it's not saying that he's not going to be a great coach and do good things there. I don't know anything about the guy. Um, you know, he may be great, but it's it still the whole thing stinks and is stupid. And if they can't see how foolish they are, then they never will.
0: There, there's also just a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And mm-hmm. the way that Texas treated Mike Stoops is wrong. That that's how I view it. When some, you know, I was getting the details of how it all happened. I was like, well, that's just, that's not how you treat people. And Coaches will remember that. Some coaches will remember that, what yeah. they just did to Mike Stoops. Uh, people don't forget that type of stuff. So, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was ridiculous. I feel horrible for Mike. He's always been extremely kind to me. I know that you love him, Ted. I mean, he's he can coach. I mean, he can coach, and it's just ridiculous what they did. Okay, let's move on to Call Your Shot. That's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and roll tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for superior taste and smooth finish to find a store that has it visit rock and or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy.
2: This is coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, are Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious. Start the party with rock and roll.
0: And we asked y'all what was the most significant thing that happened for OU football this week. And our favorite comes from Andy at Andy mancan 20. He
1: says man can man can. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Andy man. Do we think it's man can or man can?
1: I say we go with man can man can. Nice. <laughs>
0: He says, so many of the 21 class forgoing their senior years and getting into the program in January. Huge, especially with the defensive talent that we signed. Ted, you mentioned that you had talked to a couple of coaches, and, and you look at these guys that are early enrollees on defense, Latrell McCutcheon, Jordan Mukes, Clayton Smith, Ethan Downs, uh, Isaiah Coe, the Juco kid, and then Nathan rollins Cabanch Like, I don't know how many of them are going to contribute right away, but it seems like several of these guys could contribute right away. So I, yeah. I agree with our man. Man can, it's it's pretty big to get these defensive players in early.
1: I agree. Um, I, I think it, I think it's fantastic. And the the great thing is the size on the back end defensively, um, and to get those guys in early some of the, the most critical you know thinking, understanding of the defense comes you know from the back forward. And if you just get that extra amount of time, right, the way Grinch runs things, like and their limited amount of time that they have with these guys, I want to say that Odom told me like the, the first winter they were here, With the way they were doing things in their their brief amount of time that they were able to be on the field with them they got something like 300 run through reps like fitting runs a week and and it's that that amount of reps is just insane super fast crisp just kind of go through everything at you know blazing speed while they're still there coaching the guys up and everything but they got it down to where they can get through a ton of reps so that being able to be out there on the field, lining up, going through some run fits before you even start spring ball and then going through a full spring ball and getting yourself coached on film is just like, I mean, it's, it's everything. And it's quite frankly, it's why we see so many young guys more ready to play in college football than they've ever been.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I think that with the way that OU is recruited over the last couple of years and how they anticipate recruiting moving forward, it, it, it's important that these big time, you know, highly recruited guys are able to come in and contribute immediately. Right now you don't want to, you, you want to develop guys. Obviously you want to create that depth that you see at like a Bama or a Clemson. And I think that OU's headed that way. They're certainly headed in the right direction, but you look at these nine guys that are in early, these are all really talented players. And it's going to be interesting. I, I, I've got my eye on a, on a guy like Clayton Smith, right, that I think could be an immediate impact guy just as a situational pass rusher. So
1: I'll tell you what's amazing is, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, like I was going through it the other day, there's like 10 guys on the defensive line and edge that I expect to be big time contributor next year. Like we went from problem to have. Yeah. We went from like the cupboard is bare and we've got to get some more guys in here to like, how are we going to get all these guys on the field? I mean, it's, it's a great problem to have. And that just tells you everything about the development because we're just now starting to get this defensive staff's, uh, I want to say draft picks, but their recruits starting to roll through. Most of these guys are from the last regime. They've just been developed so well of the, over the last two years that, I mean, guy, I, Isaiah Thomas, I, I expect to have a chance to be Big 12 Player of the Year next year, Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, you just, Roberson, Jordan Kelly, Ellison, I mean, all these guys were, were good, solid contributors, and I expect them to be better next season.
0: It'd be really nice if Isaiah co can bring something similar to what Perry on Winfrey brought yep. that would, that now, now that's probably asking a lot of Isaiah co, but Hey, if he can get up to speed quickly, he's a physically gifted kid.
1: I'll tell you something, man. And i I totally believe in this. Whenever you come into a situation, you quickly get to that level whether it's it's a high level or a low level you quickly adapt and you don't stick out like a sore thumb most places is like there's it's kind of there's like a, a bit of a bell curve where most guys fit in this area but you most guys get in there really quickly and the better you are the better your your room is the better these guys that come in gear up and get up to speed really quickly so I, the better the room is, the more hits you have in recruiting and junior college guys. So uh, maybe he's not going to be on Perry on Winfrey's level, but I expect to get good solid play right away.
0: What's the saying where the the tide lifts all the boats or whatever? Right. I think that's what you're saying that right. it it there there it's something about boats, and in this case, <laughs> defensive linemen are boats. I, I yeah, think boats I'm understood.
1: and the new guys should float as as well
0: exactly. well said, sir. <laughs> Well said. All right, let's move on to our interview with Jim Nagy, and that's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. com. Okay, here's Jim Nagy. It is our pleasure to be joined by the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy is in the house. Jim, what's going on, man?
2: Appreciate you having me, man. Good. to yeah, be out. a
0: couple of a couple of Senior Bowl alums now. Teddy's doing one of his twelve other jobs right now, so it's just me <laughs> and you, buddy. So, but I love he it. send me some questions. But okay. Uh, let's just start here. I got some questions just about the game before we dive into some individual players. We saw what college football players had to go through this season with all the precautions that were taken, with all the protocols that were in place. Was there ever a thought that the Senior Bowl might not happen, or was this something that you guys always felt confident was going to take place?
2: Uh Yeah, there was there was that. Um, And and the first things first, you know, I'll start by saying we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think we could do it safely. And that really we had to get to that point. We had to do a lot of research and talk to a lot of folks, whether it be at the college level, the NFL level, um, you know, infectious disease people through our hospital network down here. So but once we got to that point, yeah, we've been we've been pretty steadfast in making this thing happen. Once we knew we could pull it off safely. And back to your your intro to the question what these players went through right this fall and uh, just talking to my friends in the NFL on a, on a daily basis and what they had to go through to get through this season. Um, I felt re- we felt really compelled to pull this week off because these, these guys have had, you look at the big 12 or the, you know, the, the pack 12 and the big 10 players that this whole season pulled out from under them, you know, then just be reinstated. The, the, the pack 12 guys played four games in some cases, um, you know, and then the NFL guys, you just talk from like a scouting perspective. Some of these scouts were out at games this fall, but none of these decision makers that are going to be pulling the names off the board on in April have seen any players. I've spoken to one GM in the entire league this year that saw players on Saturdays. And that was only because he didn't rejoin his team on Sunday. He was good with not, you know, reentering his team's bubble, which he couldn't do if you went to a college game. So he chose, he felt like he served his team best by going to see college players. Whereas everyone else I've talked to and I'm not, I mean, it's to their own prerogative, but, but most of those guys traveled with their team on Sunday. So this will be the NFL's first chance to eyeball these players and sit face-to-face with these players. And it's the players' only opportunity to really get in front of these teams now that we know the combine's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, you, you guys are constantly evaluating the players, uh, you know, the, the guys that you're going to invite to the game, but you're also communicating with the teams uh, about who they want to get invited. So h- how much more difficult was it this year because normally you guys are going on the road you're seeing these guys up close uh, you, you're putting all those videos out on your Twitter page of guys where you're standing five feet from them right how much more difficult was it just having to evaluate guys on tape rather than being able to go see them physically in person?
2: yeah that's a big part of it and, and you know that I mean the, I think it's kind of the the uh, understated thing about scouting is is the body type. You know, so a guy's growth potential and you know, school might list him at, at 6'3", 300, and he's really like six one two eighty. 280. Um, schools so would that, never actually, do
0: that, Jim. What are you talking about? Come on, man.
2: <laughs> so so that was that was difficult, but you can only work with what you what you have. So you know, we we had all the tape, we had 18, 19, and 20 tape to make, to base our decisions on. Um, but yeah, without that, without that eyeball test, it really was difficult at some of these positions when you've got like undersized wheel linebackers, you like, how, how big are they? And uh, you know, I had to reach out to some schools this fall and ask uh, you lost me there for a minute, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I got you
2: though. <laughs> okay. Uh, we had to reach out to some schools and I'd be like, you know, this guy looks a little small on tape. What's, you know, what's his current weight. And you know, again, he was listed at two They're like, yeah, he was in yesterday at two Oh four. Like I can't bring a 204 pound, 204 pound linebacker to the senior bowl. So um, it, it, it had its challenges definitely not having guys out on the road this fall.
0: Now you mentioned the NFL combine, the combine, as we know it, right. Not going to take place. There's not going to be the gathering of all the NFL decision makers there in Indianapolis. So what does that change? for you guys what does that change for what the prospects will be going through there in mobile Uh, are you guys going to do anything special for coaches that aren't comfortable feel comfortable attending the senior bowl and all these things like what what does that put on your plate now that normally would have been handled at the combine
2: um yeah a couple things so we are limiting the amount of nfl people that can come to mobile this year to 10 per club You know, some years. Yeah, we you know, we had to draw the line somewhere just from just from a COVID testing um, from an expenditure standpoint um, and what we're what we're spending on on the COVID testing. But also, you know, we can't create a bubble. Usually most years there's 900 NFL people down here. That's a pretty big bubble. So we were really trying to, uh, you know, tighten up our bubble. So, uh, yeah, you know, we're we're, the practices in the game are going to look the same, really. But, uh, you know, like for thing for like weigh in, for instance, we've never videoed the weigh in before. We've never taken like the video body shots of, and still shots of the players before they get up on the podium. We're going to do that this year and distribute those to the teams, which they do at the combine every year. Um, the key thing for us was making sure we could, you know, ensure the players and the teams that they were going to face to face interviews, because, you know, the rest of the spring will probably look like what you and I are doing right now. And, and zooms are great. and We've all kind of learned to live in that world. But I do think there's something to be said from sitting across from someone. Uh, again, that included uh, we had to we had to bring in a, a plexiglass person this year. Um, I never saw myself in the Senior Bowl role interviewing plexiglass salesmen, uh, but we <laughs> found myself in that place this year. So we bought twelve thousand dollars worth of plexiglass for team interviews. Um, so it's we, I mean, there's there's so much down to it. But uh, you know, just to pull everything off that face-to-face interaction. And make sure these two you know the players in the nfl connect we just had to do everything we could
0: plexiglass specialists Uh, they need to add (laughs) that to your title jim now normally with the senior bowl you're looking at two staffs that were towards the bottom of the league that are going to coach in the game right and i i was i wasn't shocked but i was certainly really surprised when i saw that it was going to be the Dolphins staff and the Panthers staff, you look at the Dolphins, that's a team that barely missed the playoffs. And the right. Panthers, it's not like they were at the very bottom of the NFC standings. So how did all of that work? How did you end up with Brian Flores and that Dolphin staff and, and Matt Rule and that Panther staff?
2: Uh, Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. First, all, I'll say I'm really happy it's the Dolphins and the Panthers because <laughs> Brian Flores is one of my best friends. We worked in New England for a long time. Uh, he, he's the best. And I've known Matt for going back 20 years when he was a GA at UCLA. So to have two guys that I'm, I'm really familiar with, it's been, it's been low maintenance. It's been great communication back and forth. So I'm glad those were the two teams that we ended up with. Uh, but that, that is the league office's decision. Um, the league office football ops does that. They really start at the draft order. Like you said, we rarely get out of that top five, top 10 area. Carolina picking eight makes sense. But they had to get all the way to Miami at 18 to get a second team. So right off the bat, the top five teams were out because they all had coaching changes. What made it a little differently this year too, is the amount of GM turnover. So there was teams that just weren't comfortable committing without a GM on board. And then you add into the COVID, there was a couple teams with coaches that are in their sixties and just weren't really comfortable coming down and, and doing it. So that's kind of how we got all the way to the dolphins. And, and, but because of that trade with the Houston tech in, Texans for Laramie Tunsil, they are sitting at three in the draft. So, um, and that, that allowed us to get a guy like Devonte Smith you know, earlier this week, the Heisman trophy winner, like that was part of the sales pitch to, to Devonte and his representatives. So like, Hey, let him come down here and hang out with the team that's got the number three pick and, and everyone's art. their their fan base and Miami's already trying to connect the dots and, and get to his guy back down to Miami to, to work with him. So yeah, it was, it was a different year. Usually we are in that top 10 and it, uh, it kind of fell to Miami
0: this year. Yeah, you mentioned Devontae Smith uh, going to be able to do all the things off the field, right? Not going to participate in the practices or the actual game with that hand injury, but still a great opportunity. Now, I did see something that you guys were really excited about, obviously, was that you have convinced Mac Jones to participate this week. And he's going to do the on-field stuff. And, and that seems like a guy that has a lot to gain. You you mentioned the sales pitch you had for Devonte Smith. When guys are on the fence between participating in the Senior Bowl and not, what what's kind of the pitch? What do you what do you go with? What what do you kind of cite as the main reasons that some of these elite players should play, or, or should participate in Senior Bowl Week?
2: Yeah, a cu- couple layers to that answer um the first specific to Mac um I thought it was a no-brainer so he you know you've got you've got Trevor Lawrence nobody's catching him you've got Zach Wilson at BYU Justin Fields at Ohio State Trey Lance at North Dakota State those three players don't even have the opportunity to come here right Mac does and everyone like Mac's kind of slotted in for all the guys on on Twitter and 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 the internet is is the you know the fifth guy Well, he's going to come down here. He's got a chance to leapfrog at least one or maybe maybe a couple of those guys. And and the other thing we've we've had five top 10 quarterbacks in the last four years. So you go back to even Carson Wentz. Carson was like a late one, early two, kind of where Max at right now. He went second overall. Um, Justin Herbert last year was like a middle one. He went six. Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield were more middle to late first round. And they went in the top, you know, number two and number, number one and number six. So um, we've got a really recent track record of what quarterbacks have done coming out of the week, which is, which is pretty easy. That's a pretty easy sell and really like big picture about the value of the senior bowl. And again, obviously I believe in it. I wouldn't be sitting in this chair right now. Um, Just being a scout and coming down here for 20 years, I've seen what this game can do for guys. And I always think the mindset it it was twisted, right? Like you can come down here as a sixth rounder, like Terry McLaurin did a couple years ago out of Ohio state. And go in the third round and that's a big jump. Three rounds is a big jump, but like monetarily, I think this game makes the most sense for the first round guys. If you go from 18 to 14, you made more money than Terry McLaurin did jump in three rounds. You know, if you go from eight to four, we're talking like $12 million. So why not? You're a good football player. What do you have to hide? You know, if, if you're not, and I've told all the agents, if you've got a guy that's the number one guy unquestioned in this position group, I get it. Like Derek Brown last year from Auburn, he was the clear cut inside D tackle I didn't fight Drew Rosenhaus on that one at all. And he ended up going seven. Now, even in that case, like he could have come down and jumped somebody ahead of him. He could have jumped Jeff Okuda from Ohio State. It doesn't have to just be position group. But I'm trying to change that kind of that mindset of, you know, this game is only for guys that are outside the first round. I think it makes more sense for the guys at the top of the draft.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it, and, and certainly different than a lot of people view this game. Like, I, I think a lot of people view it as a way for those, you know, middle round guys to help themselves. And you're right. I, I think everyone can help themselves. Now, before we talk about the OU guys, I do want to ask, you know, I don't know if you have any horror stories or anything like that, but how much can a prospect really hurt himself? going to the senior bowl. And I'm not talking about injury. I'm talking about, you know, what he says in the interviews, that type of stuff. Like, are are there any stories you have where, and you don't have to mention specific names where uh, a guy just completely underwhelms or teams are just like, Oh my gosh, there's no chance we can bring this guy into our organization.
2: Well, I'll just go back to how I was raised in scouting. You know, I started off in green Bay back in 96 and Ron Wolf was the GM and um, you know, just kind of that Ron Wolf way. He's got some, his, the Ron Wolf tree in scouting has branched off quite a bit. And, you know, and it, and it goes back predating Ron Wolf. Like you're always taught as a scout, all-star games can only help players. They can't hurt players, you know, like, so at the end of the year, some guys are banged up. I mean, down here in a week like this, it's unfamiliar. You're learning a play, but like, there's a lot of variables. So to me, it's like, we always looked at it from the teams I worked for as like, These guys are making a statement. They're not afraid. They're competitive. They love football. They're wired the way we want them to be wired. Um, So I, I, again, could a guy hurt themselves that come down here and just look terrible? Um, Probably, but again, they wouldn't be getting the invite if we didn't think they were really good football players. Every single guy we invite, we feel like is a draftable player now, sometimes they don't end up all getting drafted because a medical red flag that pops up at the combine or an off the field thing that pops up that we weren't aware of at the game or a slow 40 time. It's so like, to me, I would always take the senior bowl invite because if we're inviting you, you're a good football player. This is what you do best. So like there was a, a circumstance a couple of years ago with a DB who had really high grades coming out of the football season. He turned down a senior bowl invite. I knew he wasn't going to test. Well, the people at the school said, Jim, this guy's going to run slow. He plays a lot faster. He's got great eyes and instincts. I'm like, absolutely. We love him as a football player. Well, he's, he turned down the senior bowl invite, went to the combine, ran slow, and went the fifth round. So to me, to me, if you're a good football player, come play football. And if you want to duck out of something, duck out of the combine. Um, but but uh, anyway, so no, I again, I can't come with, it with a particular instance, but I think guys can only help themselves.
0: Right. Uh, Okay, let's get to some of these players for Oklahoma that you're going to have down in Mobile. And let's start with the most important position on the football field. And, of course, that's center. You know that, Jim. Yeah, of course. And Creed Humphrey (laughs) played a ton of football for OU at a high level. What has your staff seen from Creed as you've evaluated him for this game? And is this a situation where you want to see him play some guard because that's not something he's done at OU or do you think, Hey, this is where we want to see him only at center. Uh,
2: we had that talk this morning with the Panther staff. And I said, uh, you know, you, you know, we got to call this afternoon with the dolphins. I want all these players to show some versatility, right? Like there's probably part of the league thinks that, that uh, Creed is a center only. And, uh, and that's okay. If you're going to be a starter, which Creed's going to be, it's those backup guys where you're worried about the position flex. You can't have like a one position backup in, in, on a 53-man roster. It's difficult, as you know. Um, so, yeah, but Creed's a really – I mean, everyone – all the o, OU fans know what Creed is. I mean, he's been a great player there. He's super instinctive. He's super tough. He love the wrestling background. Um, he's, someone's going to draft him to be their starter next year. I mean, he projects as a year one starter. Where that gets picked, I mean, that's where Creed can come down and really help himself, right? Um, but again, he's, he's going to be a rookie starter for somebody. So just a really solid player, the makeup, you know, checks out, he's off the charts and all the intangibles, football, football character stuff. So, you know, he checks all those boxes. Now it's getting him down here and letting him be around these teams. And and, and really those guys benefit a ton. You know, they spend, they spend a week with the teams. They're going to want that guy on their football team.
0: Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see you know, usually only about one center going in the first round. It'll be interesting to see if he can play himself into that conversation. No doubt in my mind at the, you know, very worst, a day two guy that like you said, will be, or I mean, I could see him being a backup, but I would be surprised if he's not starting as a rookie next year. Now, a guy for Oklahoma that he's shown some good things, but some people were a little surprised he came out was Adrian Ely. Now he's got the size, right? He's been coached extremely well by Bill Bedenboe there at Oklahoma, but there's such a premium on the offensive tackle position. And you look at this class, just the guys you're going to have in this game. I mean, this is a stacked offensive tackle class. So how can Adrian Ely help himself – during Senior Bowl week, what what does he have to show to maybe climb that offensive tackle, those offensive tackle rankings?
2: Yeah, you talked about his coaching and you nailed it. Bill does a great job. And I spoke to Bill over the summer about Creed. Um, He mentioned Adrian. And uh, I'll say this, Adrian did make a big jump this year from sophomore to junior tape. When I looked at him over the summer, he he was a guy that to me just, you know, wasn't a guy that was ready to be an early, quote unquote, early out guy. Um, you know, he, he looked like a guy that should go back to school. Well, he did make a, a good enough jump this year where it made sense for him to do it. Like you said, tackle is a premium position right now. He's a mountain of a man. He's got nice feet for a guy that size and mobility. Um, do I think his best football is ahead of him? Absolutely. Had he gone back to Oklahoma? Do I think he could have maybe helped himself? Absolutely. Um, but I also understand the, the player's perspective on that as well. Again, for these guys, like we talked about the players had a, had a tough year. I don't think people realize how hard it was. Some of these kids are just worn out at this point, right? Like just going through COVID and the yo-yoing nature of the season, um, just the instability. Some of these guys are just mentally done, as, as a lot of people are in all walks of life. I think no a lot kidding. of us are just mentally done with, the, with what we're going through. So, so no, Adrian, again, you look at our tackle class. We really put an emphasis on bringing tackles down here. And if we got to pinch them in there at guard for the week, that's fine. We just want to bring the best football players. Because the tackles are the harder guys to find, you know. We we talk to the you know buddies in the league all the time, and they're like, "Bring as many tackles as you can." So, um, and that's what we're doing. That's that's what we're doing with this class. And 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 again, Adrian's got a chance to to really make a nice jump this week.
0: You got Ramondre Stevenson down there in Mobile, and he he's a guy that's really impressed people with that combination of size, power, speed, but. It seems like the biggest question for Ramondre is that top-end speed. And I assume teams around the league, the Dolphins included, who will be coaching him throughout the week, they're interested at seeing what his speed looks like in person.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, top-end speed is the most overrated trait for a running back. Thank you. I'll I'll start it with that. It's about short bursts, not top-end speed. Very rarely at the NFL level do you see guys ripping off 50, 60-yard runs. You know, the, the NFL game is, is built on that guy that can get the, the 10 to 20-yard run consistently. Um, and Ramondre can do that. He, he is a really cool player. Uh, we saw it the second half of this year when he, when he came back and what he was able to do. 240-pound guys with those kind of feet, uh, I'll use an old Belichick term, they don't grow on trees. So uh, he is, he's exactly what the NFL is looking for. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And uh yeah he's he's just he's a really cool player. I'm glad we got him and again, you can't begrudge a, a running back. I know he did get that extra year of eligibility which all the players got this year but for a running back I mean it's a short shelf life the NFL has kind of devalued that position so um, to me you got to kind of strike while the iron's hot he had such a good year at Oklahoma that I think it was the right time for him to come out
0: right and you know minimal mileage right we, we always talk about right. the tread on the tires for running back uh, I mean no out. He's that's a, he,
2: that's a huge part of it as well. He goes back for another year and logs another, you know, a couple hundred carries the league's going to see that as a negative, not a positive.
0: Right. Okay. So Trey Norwood is a guy I was really excited to see, get the senior bowl invite. This is a guy that played a lot of different positions for Alex Grinch, uh, showed that versatility, made a lot of plays on the ball, right. Racked up some interceptions, but are you guys going to evaluate him at a certain position? During Senior Bowl week, do teams want to see him at a specific position, or is he going to move around just like he did in Alex Grinch's defense?
2: Yeah, Trey's a, Trey's a cool player, and he really fell in our fell into our laps late. We we've worked really hard to identify these juniors just so we're ready. You know, like we build the board out. You can't get to January with inviting 120 seniors. And then have all these juniors come out and be like, well, what do we do? We don't have spots open. So um, so we had a bunch of guys accounted for. Trey was not one of them. We did not know he was going to graduate. Um, and frankly, we didn't know he was going to come out. So when he did come out and declare, um, you know, got hit up by an agent, I'm like, well, let me, let me get to work. So we, we put on the tape. He's a super instinctive player. And, and you talk about position versatility. Yes, he's going to be down here playing nickel. He's going to be playing free safety. Because um, to me, that's what he is. There's kind of a trend right now in the league of going to that going to that tweener nickel safety type player. He reminds me a lot of a guy, Mike Edwards from Kentucky, who he had the game a couple of years ago, went in the fourth round and now uh, he'll be playing this weekend. He's the, the starting nickel for the Buccaneers. And uh, Trey's got great eyes. He really anticipates. He's got great ball skills as we saw this year. He can really finish when he's in position. And uh, yeah, he'll be cross training at both those two spots.
0: Nice. That's good to hear. And one last Oklahoma guy, Trey Brown. Uh, there is absolutely no doubt, that this guy has speed. Now, not exactly the ideal size for an outside corner, but also can certainly factor in when it comes to the return game. He feels like a guy that can make a lot of money, that can really, really boost his stock during the senior bowl week.
2: Yeah, speed is a big deal at corner. Like I said, it's not as big a deal at running back. Speed is a big deal at corner. Um, Teams place a premium on that and trades one of the fastest corners in this draft. So, uh, again, a lot, a lot of times those nickel guys are, are quicker than fast, and, and Trey's one of the unique guys that's quick and really fast. So, um, yeah, he's going to help himself. Again, when you have an overwhelming trait, whether it's size or speed, we always talk about it in scouting that you feel it when you're in person. Like when, when people see Najee Harris walk up on him, like he looks big on tape. They know Najee's a big back. But when they see a guy like Najee or Ramondre, they're going to be like, whoa, this dude is, this dude is big. We're not, you know, nobody's gonna to want to tackle this guy. And same thing with Trey. When they see him run for at field level, they're gonna feel that speed. So that that's gonna help Trey a lot. And
0: then a couple of Oklahoma State guys uh, that you'll have down there in Mobile. Uh, we've talked about Rodarius Williams before, kind of the ideal body type now at corner, but Tylen Wallace, you and I, we we both love this guy. Plays so much bigger than he is, one of the best competitive catchers. I've seen in person, uh, since I've been watching football, like the guy is just a competitor. You gotta be really excited to have both of those Oklahoma state Cowboys down there.
2: Yeah. You Rodarius first, he, 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 climbed up our board as, as much as maybe anyone in, the, in, the, in this class. Um, we had a late round grade on him over the summer. And the biggest difference was the ability to finish. Um, he was in position to make some plays as a junior came back this year and he made them. Um, so you look at his PVU numbers are way up. He just played more dialed in. Like there were, there was just kind of a little, he was just, he was just more focused, more dialed in. He was really on it this year. And when you talk to his position coach, he said the same thing. Like Rodarius knew it in the offseason, That's where he had to tighten up it was just that mental focus and coverage. And it, and it, it paid off huge for him. And then Tylan, yeah, we, you, I think you and I can sit here and talk for an hour about how much we like Tylan and you nailed it. Throw out the measurables. I don't know whatever they list them at five 11, or six foot one Guy plays like he's 6'4, 225, you know, especially on the ball. But he's a great route runner. So this week sets up perfectly. He's going to turn guys inside out. And then his ability to play big on the football and make those contested plays is and that catch radius stuff is, is pretty awesome.
0: All right, Jim, how can people support you guys? Uh, well, what can, you know, our listeners do to support the Senior Bowl? Going to be on TV, I assume, the NFL Network stuff again. Uh, what? Let us know. Plug whatever you want to plug here.
2: <laughs> um, not a big plug guy, but, but yeah, practice. So, so fans can watch it. Practice will be on all three days in the NFL network. It's going to be on uh, Wednesday and Thursday on ESPN as well. They'll have their full crew of guys down here. All their, all their draft guys, uh, you know, Todd and Lewis Riddick and all those guys NFL network DJ and down and Jeremiah and, and all the guys they have. So it's going to be great. We'll have a lot of people here. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow the senior bowl on Twitter, And what I'm trying to do this year is do a lot of like behind the scenes um, stuff, whether it's in meeting rooms or um, we don't really have a we don't really have a training table this year. Everything's box and go meals so the guys can take them up to the room. So we're not congregating eating, Uh, but just going to try to give some guys some behind the scenes look at the week and, and what it looks like.
0: Sounds awesome, Jim. Hey, really appreciate the time, man. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Gabe. Thanks for having me on, man. Anytime.
0: Man, Jim Nagy's doing a really good job down there with that event in Mobile. It, it keeps getting better and better. Ted, they've embraced the social media stuff more. I, I think they've done a great job of getting that game a ton of exposure.
1: Yeah, and this is just yet another event where you've got to pat everyone on the back because the easy thing to do is throw your hands up in the air and say, we're not going to be able to pull it off this year, guys but everyone keeps being real creative, finding cool ways to get things done. And the senior bowl is no different. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah,
0: no doubt about it. Let's move on to the national college football roundup. That's brought to you by Tim Hughes, custom homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes, custom homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He also has built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Galardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes, or visit timhughescustomhomes.com. Okay, just a couple of things when it comes to college football news. Uh, let's start out in the Pac-12. Larry Scott is out as Pac-12 commissioner. And uh, of course, it's a big deal when one of the Power Five conferences uh, has a change in leadership. Like it, it is going to affect college football. Uh, the Pac-12 fired him or that didn't renew his contract, whatever you want to say. But you, you can put it however you want. You can sugarcoat it if you like. But th- this is a guy that, I will say this, he did do some good things for the Pac-12. Uh, the conference did expand under his leadership, uh, added Utah and Colorado. And Remember, took a big swing, right, trying to create the Pac-16, went after OU in Texas. It, it didn't work, but the effort was there from Larry Scott. Now, the biggest criticism of his tenure right, is that their TV deal is just a disaster. And that's true. He just couldn't get distribution deals done for the Pac-12 network. And although there's some really good stuff on Pac-12 network and it's done really well, no one gets to see it because they couldn't work out the distribution deals. So I, I think that his leadership will not be missed by a lot of people out that way. Uh, it seems like he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way.
1: Well, you know, I know he, he catches a lot of arrows for what's happened in the, in the Pac-12. I, my whole thing is, you know, the reason they can't get the Pac-12 network distributed and picked up by people is because no one in the Pac-12 is any good. If you're winning a bunch of football games and you've got fan bases that are clamoring for football, people would die to pick that up. College football is the greatest thing in the world, right? TV, everyone, advertisers love college football. The ratings are incredible. Whenever you win, whenever you're competitive, whenever uh, you are relevant in what's going on, and quite frankly, it just have not been relevant. USC their cash cow hasn't done anything. They've been terrible. I mean, Oregon had a couple of brief little runs there, but since Chip Kelly left, they've been underwhelming. I mean, Washington, they got in, but, I mean, it's just – it's way too few and far between for competitive football games. And the, the, the real big thing is they are – because of where the major amount of college football watchers are in this country, that whenever their stuff is on, most people are drunk and passed out by the time their games are coming on TV (laughs) after starting for 11 a.m. kickoffs, right? Well, remember, they did
0: do some 9 a.m. local kicks uh, to try to kind of combat that. Now, I will say this. Larry Scott's received a lot of criticism for maybe not, emphasizing football and basketball enough, right? The real money makers out there in that conference. But I, I think you're right, Ted. The, there's, there's not a sport on planet Earth that is more regionalized than college football. And I really just don't know how much people out there care about hey, college football. And I don't know if that's that can be pinned on Larry Scott. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you
1: what. If USC is number five in the country, and Oregon's number seven, you can kick it off at 7 a.m. You can kick it off at noon. You can kick it off at four in the morning. All right. If you've got two teams that are top 10 football teams that are fighting to win their conference, that's a tough conference and go into a college football playoff where the outcome in that game matters, people are going to watch. They're going to watch in huge numbers. The problem is they don't have any of those games in that conference right now. The football's bad. And, I, don't, I understand that the players, a lot of them want to get out of there and go somewhere where the fan bases care about football.
0: You want to hear a crazy stat? Um, so only two of the 12 presidents that hired Larry Scott are left at the Pac-12 schools. Isn't that, like, impossible to believe? Only two of 12?
1: That's crazy.
0: But – we're, we're over here criticizing Larry Scott jokes on us, man. He made like $40 million as um, the commissioner there at the Pac-12. I'll
1: take so, 40 mil.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd take people not liking me
1: and thinking <laughs> I'm bad at my job. For I do mil. that. I'd take people not liking me now and don't make squats. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we'd be perfect for that role. Okay.
0: Uh, Tennessee. Right. They hired Danny White away from UCF to be the new athletic director there in Knoxville. And by all indications, this is a really, really good hire for the University of Tennessee. Did a really good job of building up that football program at UCF. Now, the whole declaring the national championship was a little over the top and very, very annoying for the rest of us. But I will say this. UCF people loved it. I mean, they loved it. And I, I know that Tennessee fans are probably a little different than UCF fans, and they're going to have to win actual national championships for Tennessee fans
1: to be happy. Th- that may not be true because they claim a couple of the same national championships that we claim. So I don't know that we, we – they may let a couple of things slide they've, there.
0: They've – the, that fan base there at Tennessee, they've claimed a couple of recruiting national championships the last couple of years, and those have not worked out well for them. Uh, but well, I, I it's just interesting because clearly Danny White's going to be the guy that is going to hire the next football coach there, and he's hired some pretty good ones. You talk about Scott Frost, Josh Heupel, uh, Lance Leipold. Like, he's, he's had a good eye for talent, so he, he's got to crush that football hire. Uh, we all know that's the most important thing for an athletic director. So it's going to be interesting to see who he goes with.
1: You think hype's a candidate?
0: I hope he is. Right? I now I'll say this. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm UCF. Just, you have I a don't know way, how good of
1: a job it is.
0: That's that's where I you you start thinking about. I think it's somewhere in like the seven or eight range, just in the SEC.
1: Yeah. Well, you got to play Georgia every year, Florida every year, and Alabama every year. Those three teams right there; those are three top-10 teams. Uh, in from where they look right now, I think Florida, Georgia, Alabama are going to be top-10 teams every single year for the foreseeable future. So that's what you're stuck with. So that, I mean,
0: we we got to remember with the investigation that's going on sure. at Tennessee, like coaches are going to be probably a little cautious when it comes to taking that job. Now yeah. you, you can build those things in, right. And I know it's built into some other contracts. I was, I was doing some research about it the other day. I think it's in Mel Tucker's he, he's he got one there. I, I think at Michigan state where like if they get sanctioned for things that happened before he was there, like his contract actually gets extended by a couple of years. Like, so you can build that type of stuff in and that's probably what Danny white and Tennessee, that's probably what they're going to have to end up doing because no agent in their right mind is going to let one of their clients sign a deal without some of that stuff built in to protect them.
1: Don't you feel like if you hire an AD that you really like the people that he's hired and he likes the people that he's hired. I mean, if he comes there and Josh Heupel's not even on his list, I mean, that would be kind of odd. That would kind of make him look bad, wouldn't it? So you got to feel like Heupel's got to be at least on that list somewhere.
0: Well, okay. I I may be crazy, but I know some people feel a certain way about UCF because I, I do think a lot of people got really annoyed with the national championship thing they did. I think it's easier to go play in a New Year Six game at UCF than it is at Tennessee. Is. I I think that that is that's actually kind of obvious. It it comes down to Tennessee being able to pay a lot a lot of money. Well, I just don't know how much too. they'll
1: offer. You know, here's another factor too, because the fourteen playoff has really benefited the same like four or five football teams since this thing has gotten rolling. And those teams are reaping all of the benefits. So, (laughs) so just spilled
0: water all (laughs) over myself. Teddy It's just, it's everywhere. It's Oh God, it's everywhere.
1: So here's the thing. There's been a lot of talk about expanding to an 18 playoff. If I'm at UCF and there's talk of expanding to an 18 playoff, well, all of a sudden, UCF is a hell of a coaching spot. And UCF is gotta, a
0: huge school, too. A lot of people yeah, don't it's, realize it's, that's the massive. Biggest, it's
1: got like 70,000 undergrad or something, right? It's massive. So, and you're right there, great recruiting territory. So, if they expand to eight, UCF has a chance to make the playoff a lot. And that's going to be a huge equalizer whenever it comes to jobs – like that, or jobs in the American, in some of your other middle-tier Power 5 football uh, programs.
0: Yeah, in that case – and it's going to expand to eight eventually. I think we all realize that's inevitable. But, yeah, I think UCF will make the college football playoff more under that new format than Tennessee will. I I just – I just really don't know how good of a job Tennessee is anymore. I, I don't have a great gauge for it. Maybe it's because I've never been to Knoxville. And some people that say it is an awesome college town. I just, it's just, it seems like it's going to be really, really difficult, especially who knows what's going to come out once the NCAA investigation's done. Like, are, are they going to be working with less scholarships? Like, what are the recruiting limitations going to be? Like, ugh, I, I don't know, but. Danny White's a good AD. I mean, he's got he's, he's got a great track record. So I I think that is a hire that should excite a lot of people around that program. Uh one last thing. Alan Bowman transferring from Texas Tech. Uh will be a grad transfer. I haven't seen anything about where he is thinking about going. But Ted, this is a guy that you and I have liked at times, but ever since that lung injury and then the re-injuring of the lung, he's just, he's never really been the same, man.
1: No. And I think this new offense down there doesn't really suit him either. He's an air raid guy. Right. Uh, This has like SMU or North Texas or something like that written all over it. In my opinion, Um, we know this, he's got a huge arm. He, he can fire the ball all over the field. Is fairly athletic, but, you know, for whatever reason, just never really got over the hump. But, you know, look out. If he goes to the right place, has the right fit in the right offense, he can he can make some noise out there.
0: Yeah, and the interesting thing with, with the eligibility stuff, he, he's going to be a grad transfer that has three years of eligibility. Crazy. Which uh, – it, just saying it out loud, it doesn't make any sense that the guy's a grad transfer. He's got three years left to play. And
1: and once you've graduated, aren't the rules on like hours and everything like, isn't that like gone? All you have to do is be enrolled, right?
0: Yeah, he's got to take some. He's got to start working on a master's or start you a you new take like, major like or something. Three
1: uh-huh. hours a semester or something like that. You just have to be enrolled. I don't think there's like a, a minimum where you got to complete 12 or 15 or whatever it is. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so he's going to go somewhere. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out soon. Someone's going to want him. The guy can guy can spin it. All right, let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. AFC-NFC Championship Edition. And Teddy's Winners and Losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that, too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Okay, Ted, who you have is your winner of the weekend?
1: Okay, so this is a little counterintuitive because he lost the game. But my winner is Aaron Rodgers. And the reason is, if you paid attention here recently, there's been some really cryptic stuff from A-Rod on whether or not he's going to be in Green Bay. Uh, and the same thing happened post-game. He was, he was like, I you know, I, I really honestly don't know what my future holds, don't know where I'm going to be next year. And the reason he's a winner is because – He's due to make thirty-six million bucks this next season. And it's not Larry
0: Scott money, but it's close. It's close.
1: (laughs) Whenever you start talking about you don't know where you're gonna be, and you're gonna have to look at things and evaluate and all of that. And you just had your best season as a pro in the regular season, like forty-five touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, in my opinion, should be the MVP of the league. Uh, that gives you some really, really, really good options, whether it's trade, which there's no way Green Bay is going to trade him or re-upping an extension. He's in a really good position with his future at Green Bay. Sucks they didn't win the football game, but as far as like being able to to decide what he wants to do moving forward, Aaron Rodgers is in a great spot.
0: Yeah, and i I thought he played well. I did. I, I, I think it finally. And we talked about it. Maybe finally coming into factor them not having David Bakhtiari. And I, I think it did finally in this game. You you really yeah. noticed his. That's uh, a big drop out there too. Yeah. I, yeah. What was up with that for both teams? Like yeah. Brady had some. Or...
1: Well, it was uh, horribly cold out there. That that's that doesn't like, help things. It's like catching a. Uh, a rock or something hard, but you know, what was it? Was it that two point play where he throws a drill bit that hits the guy right in the chest? <laughs> Come on.
0: equinemius Saint <laughs> Brown or what?
1: <laughs> he almost like, stuck it into his face mask, like in necessary roughness. It was so on target. So yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was a good game. It was an interesting game, but um, I, he's in a great position moving forward, whether he wants to go play somewhere else or he wants more money to play in Green Bay.
0: Yeah, do you do you think Jordan Love's going to play a single game on his rookie deal?
1: I don't know, man. I if you're a Green Bay fan, you better hope he doesn't. You know, yeah. I mean, I he could be a good player. He's got great size, great athleticism. You know, he's able to sit there in meetings and learn from the best in the league. So you hope all of that translates and carries over, but I I feel pretty comfortable saying that he's not ever going to be as good as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah,
0: I, I think, you know, do I think Jordan loves a first ballot Hall of Famer? Uh, I,
1: I, I don't know, which in <laughs> fairness though, I probably would have said the same thing when Aaron Rodgers took over for Favre. So we'll just have to wait and see.
0: That is the ultimate wait and see. That's the <laughs> ultimate. All right. Who do you is your loser of the weekend?
1: Oh, my God. It's got to be Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. The first time in NFL history, the home team hosting the Super Bowl has made it to the Super Bowl. They can't go. They can't go. And there's not going to be hardly anyone there for, like, typical Super Bowl parties where the, the town is just insane for a full week. None of that's happening. I mean, they're still going to enjoy being in the Super Bowl, but what could have been, man, it would have been the biggest party on the planet.
0: It it definitely would have been. I, I, I'm not sure I know how people in Tampa get down. Like, they is get Tampa down. Bay,
1: they get down? Yeah, they get down. You've huh. got a couple of areas downtown. You've got clear water right across the causeway. The, Tampa Bay goes hard.
0: And none of it's going to happen. No no. It's isn't it ridiculous what Tom Brady was able to do there?
1: Like one year? No big deal.
0: You heard Bruce Arians say it in the trophy presentation. Afterwards, like one guy changed how everyone in that building approached the game.
1: We talked about that. Whenever you feel like you have a chance to win a Super Bowl, it, everything changes it everyone's mentality when they, when they walk in the door every day
0: to hear Bruce Arian say that about a player was pretty interesting though. Cause normally you're thinking about the leadership, you know, you're thinking head coach GM, but the head coach saying, Hey, yeah, this guy, he's the one that changed everything. I think that that really, it just really shows you how great Tom Brady is like obviously this being his tenth trip to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we all know the guy's amazing. Like we get it. But hearing Bruce Arians say that in front of the entire country, I was like, damn, that is that is a compliment.
1: You think Belichick's right now saying, damn it, we should have got him some receivers. Everything could have been different. That would have been a good idea.
0: That would have yeah. been a good idea. But that being said,
1: they had a pretty good run, you know. They did, for sure. I good... got to tell you, though, let me ask you this. If Brady wins a Super Bowl, is he whoosh, off into the sunset, I'm done, or is he back for more?
0: Oh, I, I think mean, he's back he for more. He clearly could
1: be back for more, but the I'm guy's just a wondering psycho. If, Yeah, I'm just wondering that, like, if, if you get the opportunity for the storybook ending, which is the rarest thing in sports, does he take it or does he come back for another season? I think he loves it and is just going to continue to play, but it is something to think about.
0: Yeah. The Peyton Manning. But Brady, I mean, Brady's still, he, and he had some bad throws in that game, but like you said, it was cold as shit,
1: and, you know, it wasn't. He. I mean, late in the game, he ripped a, a dagger over the middle, a deep dig grab right about 18, 20 yards, and it had some juice on it. Looked great. I mean, he's he still got tons of punch on the football. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you can compare I – mean, Peyton Manning could barely get the ball like 10 yards downfield his last year. Just
0: think about what we just saw Drew Brees look like. Yeah. I mean, Brady, uh, Brady's still got it. (laughs) The guy's still got it. All right, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires in the cable boxes, so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my Wi-Fi has been flawless for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area. Call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, my winner of the weekend, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. I mean you you look at the way he played you look at the stats they're they're fantastic what 29 to 38 325 three touchdowns we were concerned about his health coming into the game it wasn't you know people weren't worried about his head they were worried about
1: his toe and he moved around pretty good he was hobbled he a couple great. of times but he was he was moving good man looked like his his old self all those
0: concerns coming in and all he did was go out there and completely dominate the football game. His ability to avoid pressure in the pocket and deliver the ball in all kinds of different creative ways, it's just so damn fun to watch. I mean, it really is. He's truly great. Uh, I I think that we are watching the most talented quarterback that's ever played this game. We're watching him. And that's no, no disrespect to, you know, Montana or Rodgers or any of those. I, I just think some of the things Mahomes can do, like just we haven't seen other guys do it. And he's also really smart because he gets the ball to his playmakers. It's like, oh, Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. Well, I mean, Here you mean, that's go. one
1: of the biggest things he's got. Like, not only is he young, incredibly talented, gifted, all of those things, smart. But he's got, like, the perfect complement of weapons for his skill set.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you you saw what Kelsey was able to do in that game, what Tyreek Hill was able to do in that game. He he seems to get them the ball at the exact right times. And it, it sets up what I assume was the dream scenario for the NFL. You've got Mahomes and the Chiefs going against Tom Brady. And Tampa in the Super Bowl in what I think could be the official passing of the torch,
1: if you will. If Mahomes, cue the able. passing of the torch articles. Here they come. They're coming. I I just want
0: people to know the passing of the torch articles. They are coming.
1: Settle like, in. We got two weeks of it.
0: If my dumbass can think of it, all these smart writers they're going to stumble upon it as well. They're going to be like, oh wow, this could be significant. Oh. And a little symbolic,
1: dare I say, the passing of the torch. Oh,
0: I funny. you dare, you dare, Mister Landman.
1: <laughs> you dare. Now, my loser of the weekend,
0: and I, I still can't believe it. Uh, Matt Lafleur, what are you doing? I mean, damn you, Lafleur! Damn you, Lafleur! How could you possibly kick a field goal in that situation? I know, I know, it's fourth and goal from the eight. I understand, but you're down eight points. With 2 minutes left to go in the football game, how could you possibly think that making it a 5-point game and giving the ball back to Tom Brady was a good idea? I I just I, I I don't understand like in that moment how that decision can feel like the right thing to do. You got to go win the game and I would be I I mean I'd be damned if i'm not going out with the ball in aaron Rodgers' hand
1: i mean come what was he doing it's one thing if you're like a if you're a team that got there by having an incredible defense and you've got a right. young quarterback that you just, you run the football you kind of protect your quarterback that's one thing whatever your defense is you, you you put them out on the field it, but it's different you got the best guy in the NFL currently, who's the MVP of the league, and fourth and fourth and goal from the eight. It's not really a fourth down, and what I mean by that is when it's fourth and eight from the fifty, it's like, oh my god, the decision isn't, you know, should we go for this? It's the the decision there is field position. That's why you don't. That's why, go for. yeah. It, but when if it's fourth and go from the eight, the field position, that's not a factor anymore. So it's it's not a. It shouldn't even be a decision, I guess, is what I'm saying. That's what. That's
0: why I was so confused because, like, if you don't get it, yeah, that sucks. But it's still a one possession
1: game, and they're backed up. Yeah, you can even fourth and go from the eight. I know this would be controversial, but you can even run it on fourth and go from the eight because if you don't get it and they get the ball on the three-yard line, you got Brady who's backed up. You can't make a mistake coming out. They're going to be super conservative. And he and had made some mistakes in that right. game. So they're like, we're not throwing it down here. He's already thrown three picks today. We're going to hand it off three times. We're going to punt it, and we're going to put our defense back out there for one more shot. So you absolutely, without a doubt, you go for it there. and You don't even think twice. You don't even you, – you made that call five minutes ago, you're just trying to figure out what play you're going to call for the two-point conversion. If if the
0: choices are put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands or trust my defense to get a stop, so we can go hopefully go try to win this game. Like you choose giving the ball to Aaron Rodgers
1: every damn time. I, I just I I, I couldn't I told believe it. Lafleur. LeFleur In the preseason that I'll give you the chance right now to just jump forward to the NFC Championship game at home. Aaron Rodgers has just had his best season ever. You got fourth and eight. Uh, you know, you're down a Fourth and eight, fourth and goal from the eight. He would say, are you kidding me? Of course, give me that. Oh, I, over anything else, I want that. I can put the ball in the best player in the league's hands and let him go do something.
0: I I still can't believe it. he's going to regret that decision for a long, long time. Especially if they don't, you don't get even back there. do
1: anything. All you do is, I mean, I know you can win the game, but all you do is give them better field position in the in the situations. The set. Yeah. He turned a one possession game into a one possession game. Like yeah. <laughs> like he still needed to go score a touchdown.
0: I just I don't know. I I I don't know. But also kind of a subtle loser of this weekend, Bill Belichick, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, now there's no doubt he's the best NFL coach ever. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, but there is a very popular Belichick or Brady debate when it comes to who was more significant to all the success they had there in, in New England. And boy, this uh, this gives Tom... Tom some uh some ammunition for that debate because he, he I I still can't believe he he shows up to Tampa yeah I know they had a talented roster but the bucks are going to the super bowl
1: like what yeah he not only did he, sh- he showed up in Tampa and walked into the wrong house did you read that uh article <laughs> he Little showed up walked in, he was like I'm here wait a second is uh this is the wrong house no but you know in all honesty he, here's the thing though any player is going to have the advantage because you're the guy out on the field doing stuff. Right. Yeah. But like the, the real work for Belichick was like, you know, he shaped and molded who Tom Brady is. And like the big reason that Tom showed up in the locker room in Tampa. And as Bruce Arians said, everything changed is because of, the culture and the leadership and everything that w- that was, you know, molded under Bill Belichick's program and, and his system, his way of doing things.
0: They are one and the same. They are mm-hmm. always intertwined. They cannot be completely separated.
1: Now, quite frankly, the way forever. Bruce Arians says it, it almost sounds like it's like, well, what are you there for then, really?
0: I love we, the quote where he's like, do you know, we actually
1: need you, Bruce?
0: You know, sometimes I just kind of take a step back and I watch. I just let him <laughs> do his thing. You know, I'm, I'm I'm the cool coach. I'm the cool coach, guys. Okay, Ted, let's finish up with FGTB. Football guys talking basketball. And that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcome back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher, student, student, that's not a word. Mm-hmm. It Ooh. is now. It is. It, thank you. Thank you. Bishop McGinnis students were welcome back last August and saw very few disruptions. That's not even the word either. It says interruptions. I can't read. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. So it was an interesting weekend in local hoops. Uh, Let's start with the Thunder. We found out that the Clippers are a better basketball team than the Thunder. Uh, (laughs) We saw it on two different occasions in that weird Friday-Sunday combo so yeah, that that's kind of how it's supposed to be when, when, you know, you make the Paul George trade, and now that they're they're finding maybe some some more chemistry out there in L.A. with the Clippers, with the way the Kawhi's playing, with the way Paul George's playing right now, some of the pieces they've got around him. Yeah, that's kind of what uh, how I expected those games to go.
1: Pandemic P, uh, he's back. So no, I mean that's. You, you fully expect that to happen whenever you march a bunch of young, inexperienced players out there against some of the uh, the best, uh, like the link, the defense, the shooting ability that, that they throw out there. It's just, you know, that that's what's going to happen. I mean, the separation is stark between the two teams.
0: Yes, it was. And I, I watched both games. It was. Rather obvious that one team had more talent than the other, but it's okay. It's okay because I and I thought the Thunder Sunday that was a competitive game. It was a good watch. Like I, I enjoyed watching the Thunder mix it up. And that one, they just they're not a very talented team right now, and that's okay because we want them draft picks to be real, real high. But there was something that was really fun this weekend in local basketball, and that is OU beating Kansas. I think it's what OU has now won three of its last four against KU and Norman. That was a really, really competitive, fun game. And I thought the biggest difference was how physical OU was on the boards. I, I thought that they wanted the game more than the Kansas kids did. They they looked like they wanted to go get the basketball more Than the players from KU did, they held Kansas to two offensive rebounds,
1: which is insane. Kansas is a, like, that program is defense and rebounding. Like, that's what they pride themselves on. That's how they win. So you hold them to to numbers like that. It's awesome. Um, You know, I felt really good about the game. I think maybe they were up five with like a minute to go. I felt great about it until Austin Reeves fired the thirty-five foot three-pointer with a minute to go. It was, was not. Like,
0: it, was not <laughs> it was not a great shot.
1: That uh, was not a great shot. But
0: uh, Davion Harmon, I mean, oh, this kid—he was beast. He was he was really good, and, it, and he talked after the game. Turns out, I think, what his his great grandmother died, something like that. Playing the game with a heavy heart and. You know, was was pretty emotional about it. And he was I, shot
1: out of the cannon, man. He was he was really the difference early.
0: Oh, hell yeah. I, I thought that he was great. Um,
1: Kansas fouled
0: way too much. Uh, uh, you know, and credit to Austin Reeves, who had that big second half despite, you know, a few questionable <laughs> decisions when it comes to shot selection. But he had that big second half, and he did a really good job of getting to the free throw line And and that's where I kind of thought that Kansas did some, you know, some weird things defensively. But overall, this is a big-time win for OU, big-time win for Long Kruger. And I just like the way they won the game. Like, they didn't shoot it incredibly well. I I thought that they really just played harder than Kansas did. And the team that played with better effort won.
1: I love that they're playing well. What they've won three straight now. And that's a big win over Kansas at home. And it's a good thing because they go to number five, Texas, who has a great chance to win the whole thing this year. Uh, then they have Alabama at home. And if anyone uh, – if you haven't seen Alabama yet this year, that is a legit basketball team. They're really good. And then they're after that, they're going back down to Texas Tech. So their next three games, two of them on the road are – they're against like these are sweet sixteen elite eight basketball teams that we're about to face. Yeah.
0: So this this allows Long Kruger and the Sooners to carry some momentum
1: mm-hmm.
2: into
0: that stretch. So that's uh that that was a good win. And I know it's not sexy, but they they won that game because they rebounded and they shot well from the free throw line. <laughs> like I know that's not what people what hey, people want to hear, but that's the truth.
1: It was important whenever basketball was uh, first invented, and it'll be important for the for the duration. It always will be, man. You got to be good on the boards. You got to hit the the charity stripe opportunities,
0: and that's football guys talking basketball. <laughs> All right, episode 80 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from two to six on Sports Talk 1400. And you can hear me from three to five on SiriusXM XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.